What's up, everything? The 2019 NHL Draft is officially in the books, and, well, it wasn't very exciting. But we're going to do our darndest to make it exciting for you by screaming about inconsequential picks at the top of our lungs. We're a sixth-round podcast with second-round potential, so let's get started, and let's go Blues! One Cup podcast, and we are coming to you from our scenic Saxon studios in Bergvedel, Germany, in the lower district of Hanover, approximately 15 kilometers to the northeast of Hanover proper, hometown of Karsten Friedrich Hoppenstedt, member of the European Parliament, and our very own Nikita Alexandrov. Ian, how are you feeling today in beautiful scenic Bergvedel? Very Deutsch. (laughs) I had all that time to think of what to say, and that's all I came up with. Hey, we'll take it. You know, sometimes you just don't have the words. But we have words, I hope, to describe what turned out to be not that exciting in NHL draft. Maybe, Mm. maybe, I don't know, maybe, but maybe when you don't finalize your salary cap until Mm -hmm. after the draft is over... Maybe it's hard for general managers to make trades. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. What a garbage league. What a garbage league. We got news before the draft, shortly as it was starting, that Doug Armstrong was already talking to Kyle Dubas, which I guess was about trading up for a second (laughs) seventh round pick, and Brad Treleving of the Calgary Flames. Neither of those talks amounted to anything. We'll skim through the first round. Obviously, the somewhat manufactured controversy of who the New Jersey Devils would take first overall came up on Jack Hughes, which was, if it was a Wheel of Fortune wheel, was like 90% of the pie, and there was like this little sliver, and it's like, I don't know, it could be, but it wasn't. Uh, it was always going to be Jack Hughes, followed by Capo Caco. The Chicago Blackhawks selected Kirby Doc of the Saskatoon Blades, who I think was a little bit off the board. I think all the discussion was until like very close to the draft was around hometown Alex Turcott or Bowen Byram, who the uh, Avalanche selected. By the way, very glad that he could have two identical and interchangeable first names so that I can call him Byram Bowen for the next decade. BB, Definitely going to happen. B squared as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> the Kings got Turcott. Uh, the Red Wings went way off the board, selecting Moritz Sider, a German defenseman who was a you know projected first rounder, but low or mid first rounder. Trust um, the Iser plan. I guess you're gonna have to. Um, they, uh, yeah, I don't know. They went off the board there, but you know it's Steve Iserman. He's a mm-hmm. genius. Uh, Dylan Cousins, I think, snuck to the Sabers, and I won't bore you with everyone else in the entire draft. Uh, But the Canucks chose the Russian who's two years out with his KHL contract, Vasily Podkolzin at number 10. And then the other people in our division, uh, the 
Wild selected Matthew Boldy, left wing at number 12. The Avalanche, with their second pick, their own pick, selected Alex Newhook, a center from the Victoria Grizzlies at number 16. The Dallas Stars selected Thomas Harley from the Mississauga Steelheads at number 18. Or also known as Harley Thomas. Yes, according to their owner. I think their owner, right? Uh, somebody old. The mm-hmm. Winnipeg Jets selected <laughs> Vili Heinola because they don't know shit from Heinola in Winnipeg uh, from Luco, Finland at number 20. The Nashville Predators selected Philip Tomasino, the center from the Niagara Ice Dogs at number 24. And, of course, your very own St. Louis Blues selected no one except they uh, did have a Stanley Cup, so we'll survive, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, that pick that was uh, the 31st that went to the Sabres in the disastrous Ryan O'Reilly deal ended up being Ryan Johnson, a defenseman from the Sioux Falls Stampede of the USHL, which I think at least one mock draft I read, or you read, yeah. had us taking at 62. 62. Yeah. So that guy, that I already feel bad for him because he's like, doomed from the start you're you part know? of you're part of the ryan o'reilly trade. yeah I'm you're sorry. like you're like the part that has <laughs> to make it work you know like you gotta make be it work. something because if you're not something then we got nothing you know tage thompson too obviously yeah. is still there but like he's the eric brewer I'm so, I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's kind of true. Uh, any thoughts on the first round, which you did not get to see all of or most of or any of, I don't know, some it amount of stuff. It was boring that there were no trades in the first round. There wasn't mm-hmm. even movement up or down with the picks. For there was there? one. Oh, there uh, was. The Coyotes traded up like three spots to overdrafted defenseman at number 11. Oh, fantastic. But uh, they traded the 14th, they traded their 14th pick and a second rounder to the Flyers to draft Victor Söderström of Bernus uh, in Sweden, who I don't think anyone expected to go that high. <laughs> I always wonder, uh, we can talk about it when we get to our seventh rounder, too, yeah. our, our first, second rounder. Do you, like, get a tip that somebody's like, oh, we're definitely going to take Söderström, and then, like, you flinch? Or, like, are you just at that point, you're like, we have to have him if we don't, we'll die. And it's worth giving up a second round pick, a second round pick, a mid second round pick. To me, very foolish. Very I was like, foolish. yeah, what's the deal? If, once you're out of like the top eight, top eight, top ten, yeah. all those first round picks are essentially just as good as second round picks. So yeah. it's like you're giving away uh, two equal picks to move up a little bit. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe uh, he's real friends with Oliver Ekman Larson and. He demanded it. <laughs> like but. we we were kind of talking about before this, uh, before we started recording. Yeah, you just have to think maybe there's a guy that's been watching this guy mm-hmm. for half the year for the and Coyotes. Like, you cannot let him get away. He's like, don't make my five months <laughs> in like <laughs> the dark in Sweden this winter. Yeah, watching this guy be for nothing. Please draft him if he's available. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. That may be what it is. I don't know. It's Which hard. is... Okay, but also it's the future of your franchise. Like, fuck you. I don't care how much time you spend on this guy. Is he any good? Hey, he's all right. Okay, well, then, no. Thank you for, yeah. your t- <laughs> thank you for following him to let us know that. We're not going to draft him now, though. Exactly. Um, some of my thoughts from the first round. Uh, I've watched some boring stuff, but that was some boring stuff. They mm. weren't even doing the pleasantries. As usual, which was a little butt-hurty for us because they weren't doing the... I mean, only three or four of them did the We mm. congratulate the St. Louis Blues on 
but even beyond that, it was just like uh, some boring old white man will walk up to the microphone and say uh, Samuel Pooley in yeah. Sherbrooke Phoenix, and it's like okay. Oh, they'd say a boring old white man would walk up, and then they'd say to make our selection another boring oh, old yes, white man. Oh yes, that's true. But with an accent, of, a lot of times not someone you've ever heard of. Yeah, like, okay. it wasn't always Marty Brodeur who got to make the Jack Hughes pick. Uh, I think the Avalanche absolutely cleaned up with Byram and Newhook. Newhook should be a nice player who could develop into a long-term second center, which they desperately need. And Byram is a left-handed defensive nightmare. Um, And I think the pairing of Byram and Makar will haunt our dreams for years to come. Byram is expected to very, very possibly step into the league uh, this season. So... um, yeah, he's, he's a sad. Uh, <laughs> the Red Wings take a reach, but as you said, trust the Iser plan. Blackhawks maybe reach a little bit. I guess they really like Doc. Um, I am really surprised they didn't get the hometown guy at mm-hmm. number three, but, uh, you know, Who I guess him? sentiment. Uh, the Kings okay. at five. So I guess sentiment didn't rule, which is what I'm saying for the Blues. So good for them. Uh, I think the Sabres really cleaned up by having Cousins drop into their lap at number seven. The Oilers reached at number eight. What a surprise. Uh, The Canucks, I think, were smart to take a chance on the Russian. They've got a loaded forward core, and if there's not somebody you love there, your team's, I would say, two years away from really seriously competing anyway, so why not? have, like, a huge stud that's coming. The weird thing about, like, what I don't understand about the Pudkolskin guy, Pudkolson, is, um, aren't most mid-first-round picks at least one and often two years away from making an NHL impact? Yeah. So it's weird to me that everybody's like, oh, but he's got a two-year KHL contract. I mean, I guess maybe you can't, like, bring him in for your camps and stuff, and that's part of the problem. Mm -hmm. You don't have as much control over him, but, like... They're po- also the trade-off for that is they're playing in a fully professional league and like developing with serious ice time there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and and wasn't he? He was there the night of the draft. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I thought he was someone. So up. it wasn't like it's not like he didn't want to be drafted or anything. It's just it's a little strange to me. I think you're right though. They have a very strong forward core. Yeah, even in waiting in the wings. Oh. So like they don't need this guy to pan out yeah. for sure. But if he does, it's like uh, just found money. Besser, Horvat, uh, Pedersen, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I think even uh, who's the guy they got from Toronto? Levo is really yeah. good. They've got. Uh, it's weird. The Canucks used to be like my most hated team. And now along with the Devils, as we'll talk about in a little bit, I kind of am rooting for them. Like mm-hmm. in a weird way, I'm like, hey, if the Pacific kind of sucks and I kind of blah everybody out there, even the Knights a little bit now. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I can't believe the that I can't on. believe that they're already like a boring team stuck in cat hell. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the <laughs> NHL. Uh, but Experience yeah, NHL hockey. The Canucks to me are like the the outstander, or you know the the mm-hmm. the interesting one over there. They're interesting just because they they were bad for. I mean, weren't they like? If you added up their three or four seasons of being bad, they were like actually the worst team in the league, uh-huh. like consecutively, like year to year. Like just if you looked at the delta between how oh, many yeah. points they had this year versus next year, they like never improved uh-huh. for like at least four years straight. So 
I do enjoy teams that actually manage to get out of the doldrums somehow. It mm-hmm. makes it a lot more interesting than, oh, the Kings are good again. Or, oh, look, it's the Sharks and, you know, the Pacific. Like, oh, great. Mm-hmm. I hate the Sharks, man. Uh, we'll talk. Now, now that we have our cup, too, it's like, oh, man, that sounds so good to say. The Blues are Stanley Cup champions, by the way. Um, are they? They are. Since when? Since when? Uh, a week ago. Doesn't it, doesn't it feel like it's been a while, yeah, but it hasn't, absolutely. maybe it's been 10 days? It it's like 10, 11 Wednesday, days. Wednesday, so yeah. yeah. Um, but now that we have our cup, it's more like, you know what? Vancouver can go get one. That's fine. Buffalo, pretty much anyone at this point. I don't care. Minus like Nashville or someone. Yeah. It's like, yeah, get your first even cup. You then, go get though, it. Like, even if it's Nashville or whoever, I'm not going to be like angry. angry. Like yeah, exactly. Been, you You're know? Like, like, oh, I wish they hadn't have won, but oh well. And it'll depend if they're, you know, if it's Nashville against Pittsburgh or somebody, I'm probably pulling for Nashville, you know? God. Not like pulling, pulling, but yeah. like. I know it's. I now that we're off the island, get everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care. Send help. Then There's... we can be back on the island of one cup team. Oh, yeah, we'll be right back with Toronto. <laughs> oh, boy. No, like, it's just so interesting that we can use that attack, you know, on other teams because it was always used against us where it's like, well, we've got a cup and you don't, so suck it. And it's like, wait, I can say that now? Mm-hmm. That feels very weird. That does feel utterly foreign. That feels like if you were made fun of in school for something specific, and then you were like, wait, can I use that on other people? You're like, oh, that feels dirty, though. I shouldn't be able to do that. <laughs> I shouldn't be able to be like, where's your cup, Nashville? <laughs> Bitches. Yeah, uh, that's true. Gross. I can feel that in a, in a real way. Um, I think the uh, Wild took a very wild player in Matthew Boldy. I think he's fine. I think what a Boldy move. Uh, exactly. Not an italics move or an underline <laughs> move. A Boldy <laughs> move. Uh, he's very wild in that he's fine. Fine. I think Corey Promen ended up being higher on him than I thought some of the NBC guys were, so I tend to trust him over them, so maybe he's better and sounds like he's a really good skater. But I, he strikes me as the guy that'll be like a Jason Zucker. Yeah, you know, you're like, wow, he's five good. Years, or it's like, he's good. Watch out for <laughs> Boldy. He'll be, really, he'll be really good when he gets traded out of that crap old team and uh, <laughs> gets some decent wingers. He'll be the sense. weird... Uh, when they play Wednesday night rivalry hockey on NHL or oh, on he'll NBC. he'll be the weird guy that's, like, on the screen in the graphic. Yeah, he's, like, their star. <laughs> yeah. It's like they're playing Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves, but on the wild side, they've got Boldy. <laughs> and you're like, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, the Panthers, I really like their taking a chance on the goalie Spencer Knight at 13. I had this weird, like, recurring vision where I was like, Doug Armstrong trades up to draft. Spencer Knight, and I'm like, I don't know how I feel about that, even if they'd done it. And it turns out they got two goalies, so maybe, who knows, maybe they were trying, but a little strange. Uh, 13 was higher than I'd seen a lot of people project him, but look at at the freaking Panthers, man. They don't need any forwards. Mm. They're drowning in talented forwards. They... Don't exactly have great defense, but they've got lots of defensive pieces. Mm. What they need and what they've always needed is a goalie who's not 37 and can play more than 40 games a season Mm. and is good. And if Spencer Knight can be that in two years, if he can be your Carter Hart in two years, Mm. you're insane not to draft him. I don't know. Maybe he won't be. I know that's the fear with goalies that he just, like, falls apart, but... 
Vasilevsky was the first goalie taken this high, the last goalie taken this high. He didn't fall apart. That's a I good think Bishop point. Was, Bishop was like a high second rounder, mm-hmm. right? Like, it'd be interesting to look back recently at the guys who went high in the first or anywhere in the first as goalies mm-hmm. and see how many of them really became nothing. Like, it's one thing to disappoint expectations, but to really just, like, fall off like the... the Rick DiPietro. Merrick, Merrick Schwartz <laughs> yeah. and Rick DiPietro. And I think even DiPietro was an injury thing more than, like, mm-hmm. a, he was a bad goalie thing. Yeah, like, it was just, like, class bones. That's a good point, though. I Normally, you hear always, like, don't draft for need. Draft, you know, the best player, because you don't know what your need's going to be in however many years. Mm-hmm. But especially for Florida, like you said, if they don't have any goalie prospects, and that is their biggest black hole on that team might as well if he's going to be there in a year or two you well, know and on top of that what if at that point he's just also the best player mm, it just happens true. to be at the position where you don't really think about that you know because mm. i don't know who went after that but like um let's see he went 13 14 was cam york a defenseman cole caulfield was still there he went 15 but a lot of those guys were kind of all like could be good, but mm-hmm. kind of like six and one and pick them. You're six and one half dozen in the other five. I don't know five to one and pick them. I don't know what the phrase <laughs> is, but uh, it's like just you know t- take your pick of like any of these five forwards that could be really good or could be okay. Mm-hmm. And like you've got one goalie that you know if any goalie in this draft is incredible, it's probably That's him. This guy, yeah. I kind of maybe I like that chance at thirteen. You know. I mean, I like that the Panthers took it. So. And I know they probably can't think of it like this, but as a as the Panthers organization, <laughs> excuse me, zoom tight. Um, as a you. Panthers organization, if you strike out on the goalie, mm-hmm. what, what backlash are you gonna feel? Oh, that's true. From yeah, like your fan base. From your fan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. He's he's angry, <laughs> and he's written several strong worded letters. Just as angry as he's always always, always been. been. <laughs> um, yeah, that's another really good point. Uh, the league short person aversion intensifies with Cole Caulfield dropping all the way to fifteen or sixteen. <sighs> we'll talk about that. Who do you go to later. later? He ultimately ended up with. The Canadians oh, okay. in the who know a thing about a thing or two about shorter players with, I think Bruin isn't especially yeah. tall, and I know obviously Gallagher and some of those. You're guys right; aren't. they generally don't have an overly tall team. Um, but yeah, I just I don't. We'll talk about that in in a little bit. It's going to come back. I'm around. surprised the uh, Blackhawks didn't find a way to get another first round pick and it's pick true. this guy. It's true. Maybe they were hoping he'd debrink at himself all the way down to the <laughs> Maybe. second round. Jeebus. Would you mind handing me that Kleenex, by the way? I'm, I'm dying a little he's, bit. <laughs> he's allergic to these awful pets. <laughs> no. Uh, came out of nowhere. I don't know what's happening. Uh, this is a good time to remind you that the Two Guys No Cup, One Cup podcast is brought to you by Claritin. I want to say by Kleenex. Kleenex is one of those words that you use all the time and you don't realize it's a brand. There's a word for what those words are, yeah. and I don't know what that word is. Brandism. But the people out there sure do, and they'll tell us. Google it. Uh, 
We'll take our answer off air. <laughs> um, some thoughts about the guys that are coming to our division. Kirby Dock is a six foot four hundred and ninety eight pound center. His offensive numbers were not amazing last year. He was thirtieth in points in the Western Hockey League, but he produced on a shallow tip, a shallow Saskatoon squad. He's your prototypical power play QB. Pronman says, which is strange to me because I thought those were defensemen, but whatever. Uh, on a pure pure tools level, he said he's above Turcotte and Byram, but his limited protection was a worry. He finalized, he uh, concluded by saying, if the team did its homework and wasn't scared off by his midseason slump, six foot four centers with his skill, vision, and skating are rare to find, and he has the potential to become a star in the NHL. I think also there was a little bit of that, like Turcotte, um, Turcotte was constantly compared, obviously, because he's from the area, to, like, Jonathan Taves Light, and that's a complimentary comparison for him, but maybe if you're the Blackhawks, you don't want Jonathan Taves Light, Mm because you are going to be paying Jonathan Taves Taves, Mm -hmm. Jonathan Taves Select, Jonathan Taves Platinum, OG, Jonathan Taves Ultra. Classic. Yeah, that's definitely (laughs) classic. Uh, But, uh... You're going to be paying the real Jonathan Taves for like <laughs> six, five, six more years or whatever. Pretty much until he retires because you're going to give him contracts after this one. Mm-hmm. So maybe you want a guy who's a little bit of a different mold. Um, sorry for blowing my nose into the microphone. Uh, so I think that's an interesting pick. The Avalanche got Byram. We already talked about him. The NBC Sports Network guys think he'll be in the league this season. He was often asked to play... Uh, 30 minutes a night in Vancouver for the Giants. Byram is a high-end skater with the ability to lead a rush and close gaps. He's got quick twitch feet and a great first step. He's very active with his skating, and I often see him join rushes and lead ones, and he can activate well off the blue line. He's very skilled. In Byram, the Avs get the top defense prospect in this class, and a player I think could be a number one defenseman, a similar projection to their top prospect, Kale McCarr. By adding Byram, the Avs, already a playoff team, have the necessary pieces to become a contender in the near future. Byram is close to NHL ready and couldn't push to make the team out of camp. Those are those quotes for both from Corey Pronman of The Athletic. He's the one that scares me. Corey Pronman. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Very, very frightening little man. I did hear him swear once when I spoke to him. Well, when I watched my friends speak to him at the Traverse City tournament. Was it something like, how dare you fucking talk to me? Uh, Yes, something (laughs) like that. Oh, oh, with all due respect to uh, Corey Pronman, clearly a little speck for me. I think it's safe to say. Mm. And you'd have to be. I mean, he literally lives in ice. (laughs) <laughs> and has knowledge of everyone that's ever played. He's a rink rat, minus the playing the game. Minus the... Yeah, exactly. I, I forgot what to minus, but yes. <laughs> he uh, he lives at, you know, the 55 degrees that hockey rinks are probably to at temperature-wise, and that's affected his brain a little bit. <laughs> I don't think he probably owns a t-shirt, because why would he bother? Um... <laughs> On uh, Matthew Boldy, the 
aforementioned wild prospect. He's a unique winger who knows how to play the game. Oh, and how he plays the game. I was going to say, I hope he knows how to play the game. Uh, <laughs> He's his, learning. <laughs> his combination of puck skills and hockey IQ are amongst the best in the draft. His hand-eye coordination is off the charts. Pucks stick to him. He's also incredibly creative and made some of the best passes I saw all season. I wouldn't call him a natural playmaker, though. He prefers to play below the dots and around the net rather than as a power play QB. Cam Robinson of Dober Prospects referred to him as Silky, Silky, Silky. He had 29 goals and 76 points in 61 games with the U.S. and development program playing with Jack Hughes. In Boldy, the Wild get a prospect I am a big believer in, Promen says. He's an ultra-skilled and intelligent winger who you could argue is ahead of Kirill Kaprizov. Cap- Kaprizov, I think it says. I think that's his name. It says Kaprizov, but I don't think that's right. Uh, in the Minnesota organization, Boldy may need a little time to adjust to the pro pace, but he has massive upside, and in a thin Wild system, uh, this changes the perspective of their farm system significantly. So they're very high on Matthew oh, Boldy. I still think he sucks. <laughs> I know more than Corey Brown. <laughs> um, <laughs> for the new hook for the Avalanche, uh, new hook was a fantastic was fantastic in the BCHL, the British Columbia Hockey League, which is a junior A an atypical hockey league for draft picks to get. Uh, both of their picks from that, uh, both of their first round picks for the ass came from that league. So that's interesting. Hmm. And I think they also chose another Victoria Grizzly later in the draft. So one of those two had a teammate also drafted by the Avs. <laughs> Very strange. Newhook was fantastic uh, in the BCHL as one of the most dominant junior A players of the modern era. He's one of the most entertaining and dynamic players in the draft. Skating hands, vision, and and uh, or his skating hands and vision all get plus grades. He can push the pace with his speed. He's got quick twitch feet at full speed, which allows him to jet by defenders and great edge work to create space in tight areas. He's 5'11", 190 pounds. He won the Vern Dye Memorial Award for the BCHL's Most Valuable Player. He won the Brett Hull Award for the player with the most points. Uh, who's Brett Hull? I don't know. Mm. Well, a drunkard. Yeah, <laughs> that's right, a legendary drunkard. Um Speed for days and the disregard for safety to use it anywhere, says Cam Robinson of Dover Prospect. It's like out on the street? Yeah, I guess so. And Promen concludes by saying, in New Hook, the Avs had a player I am excited about. He's a dynamic and highly competitive player. There were some scouts concerned about investing in a top BCHL talent after seeing the development of Tyson Jost, but the Avs who picked Jost were clearly not scared. I love it. I think New Hook is very talented and could be in the NHL in a year or two. The Avs, after picking Byram at number four, don't have many top forward prospects, so New Hook instantly becomes the future top scorer for them in the pipeline. Um, I don't want to dig too deep into the other three prospects because I think uh, Harley of the Steelheads is um, kind of blah. His strengths are skating, vision, playmaking, and composure, and he needs improvement on defensive uh, positioning and turnovers, which are definitely two things you want your defenseman to have yeah. to improve on. So good pick there, Stars. Um, <laughs> they're they're team. They're... Um minor league team or like their pipeline is trash like it was garbage before this they're awful at drafting and according to sean tierney uh charting hockey on twitter this draft was awful so like great you got a clean house yeah you're fucking drafting sore shit yeah exactly um 
Uh, Promen says, in Harley, the Stars add their top, uh, new top defenseman prospect to a system that already had several highly talented forward prospects. Harley has all the physical tools to excite, and while he was projected to go around this range, several NHL scouts feel he has the potential to exceed this slot, while some had concerns about the up-and-down nature of his game. I like his game and think he has fine value for the Stars at number 18. Uh, Winnipeg Jets select Billy Hainola. His brain is fantastic. He sees the game with the rest, the best of them. His skating concerns me for a defender his size, says an NHL scout. In Hainola, the Jets get a player who, vo- who vaults to the top of their farm system and provides puck-moving skill that they don't have a ton of on the back end. He was excellent versus men at 17 years old in Liga, which is the Finnish league, a possible indicator that he is not that far from presiding helps to the Jets. His strengths are hockey IQ, agility, acceleration, and puck movement, and his weaknesses are strength, positioning, and speed. And finally, Philip Tomasino of the Nashville Predators is six foot tall, 181 pounds, explosive first step and agility to maneuver the puck around four checkers and defensemen. In his zone entry, says Marshall McKinder of the Hockey Futures Board, uh, his strengths are motor skating, compete level, playmaking, and hands, which I feel like are five words that just say two different things. <laughs> and uh, his weaknesses are defensive zone awareness, turnovers, was it, and physicality. Was one of those things motor? Motor skating, compete level, w- yeah. which seem close. Maybe compete level is his own thing, but motor and skating are the same, and playmaking and hands are definitely the same. Yeah. So it's a, at best five words <laughs> that say three things. Um In Tomasino, Nashville gets one of the most dynamic forwards outside the top 10 and a player who can excite with his speed and skill. He he has warts in his consistency all-around slash all-around game that likely scared teams off, but I like the value at 24. The Preds system needed talent, and he is full of it. He He becomes one of, if not their top prospect, although I would need to think about the latter. Sean Tierney, as we mentioned, uh, graded the... um, basically the value of the draft picks by slot position versus like potential i think it is uh average probability of a team selection making the nhl versus the average projected war um he said calgary buffalo philadelphia colorado los angeles and New York Rangers did very well on average. He said St. Louis, that's us. <laughs> Vancouver and Toronto sort of took some home run swings. Chicago had a safe draft. And Dallas, vomit emoji. <laughs> Dallas is on its own at the absolute bottom of this chart. Just yuck. So uh, that talks about the other teams in our divisions first round a little bit. The bright, I mean, the the Avalanche have the brightest future of this division, mm-hmm. and it's not even close. Uh, as long as Nathan McKinnon is making six million dollars or six and a half million dollars for four more years, they will be a nightmare. Um, I think Byram and McCarr uh, are the best young defensive pairing in the league by a, a good, good ways. Mm-hmm. I don't know, you know, I'm really young. Yeah. I haven't looked at all of them, and. Obviously, they have Rantanen and Landis Cog and now New Hook and some other guys on top of that. They frighten me. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rest of our division doesn't, doesn't frighten me so much. Did Winni- Winnipeg didn't have a first rounder because they traded that away to get uh, what's his right. face? They right, they traded that for Hayes okay. and then got one back for Truba. Oh, okay. That Who's... was the Hainola guy. Oh, okay, gotcha. Winnipeg didn't know shit Sorry. for Hainola. Okay. It was a it was Obviously a thing. unremarkable to me. <laughs> <laughs> he was unremarkable in every way, yes. Um, 
Yeah, so that's our division. Let's talk about the Blues for a little bit, because the Blues drafted five players in this draft, and I know things about three of them. (laughs) Um, The Blues did not trade up at all into the first or higher in the second round, which is pretty atypical for them, really. Yeah, I think that's what made this draft obviously boring for us, being Blues fans, but also we're just used to... Year two years before this it was the Shen move, and then last year what happened last year something happened last we year. We traded slightly up to get Bach. Okay, gotcha. I was like, there are at least moves, so yeah. And then we had moves. And that's I think the year before we traded slightly up to get Kairu. We traded no, we traded we traded drafted Thomas, and then we traded down. Or no, Thomas was the Shen year. So that was the year where we drafted Thomas, mm-hmm. then we traded both picks for Shin, and then we traded back in to get Reeves, which was like the oh, craziest yeah, draft night of all time. Clem Costin, a guy that I forget about. Yeah, but we shouldn't. No. He's a legit potential player. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll talk a little bit about prospects towards the end of this episode. Um, but yeah. Uh, so this year we didn't do any of the movement stuff. Uh, and we waited till 62nd overall to select Nikita Alexandrov, a forward from the Charlottetown Islanders of the QMJHL, the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. He is 18 years old, 6 foot tall, 179 pounds. He has 61 points in 64 games in the QMJHL. Justin Horniker could score 64 <laughs> points in 61 games in the QMJHL, as he was quick to tell mm, us. And I mean, that would make him a very bad player. Yeah, yeah. Everybody gets points in the yeah, QMJHL. 200, 300, 500,000. If you're not scoring at least five goals a game, you are garbage. <laughs> um, one NHL scout said of Alexandrov, he's got the skill in hockey sense to be an NHLer. His skating is fine. It doesn't hold him back. I like his versatility, too. Uh, Pronman said, Alexandrov had a great second season in the queue, becoming an all-situation center for Charlottetown and a consistent offensive threat. He's a very smart center who makes high-level plays and is a creative passer. He can run a power play off the flank with his skill and vision. He tries to make difficult skill plays. His execution rate hasn't been the best, but I like that he attempts to make plays. Alexandrov also has a great shot. And if he is given space, he can pick a corner. It's hard to find a true weakness in this game. He's not a fast skater, but his stride is fine, and he can gain the zone when needed, uh, but could play quicker at times. He's not a big guy, but he works hard, gets inside the dots, and can be competent defensively. With more strength on his frame, his speed and ability to win battles should improve. First thing I thought of when I read all of that for some reason was... You suck. Yeah, this guy sucks. Is like Alexander Steen light. And just in that, I was like, what player on our team can do or in their prime can do everything but isn't necessarily, like, blowing you away with any of these attributes? And I was like, Steen, I guess, in a way. Mm-hmm. That's just what I thought of. Because if you're going to project this guy, hopefully, better than, like, you know, a fourth-line grinder, it's like, okay, you got a guy that can shoot, a guy that can win battles, a guy that's good defensively, uh, just an all-around good forward, and that's what that's what sticks out to me. Mm-hmm. Mildly, mildly breaking news. Pierre mm-hmm. Lebrun reports several calls for Stanley Cup champion and UFAD 
Carl Gunnarsson today, but his camp still in discussions as well with the champion Blues. <laughs> champion Blues. Say champion some more. Um, yeah, if several teams are bidding for Carl Gunnarsson's services, do not resign him. Don't even try. Let him walk, please. <laughs> I'm not... That's not an insult to Carl Gunnarsson, but he played 24 games last year. He's a splody bones old man. I'm thinking this in a positive way. If several teams are calling about UFA... Stanley Cup champion Carl Gunnarsson. Imagine how many teams are calling about players that Shen or Joel Edmonds. Yeah, that would make Jake a real Allen. impact. Yeah, exactly. Ooh, could be a fun summer. I assume by calls they mean to Gunnarsson to sign as a free agent. And yeah, not like calling us for his rights. Can we have him? God? If no. they are, you do it. You absolutely do it. <laughs> you trade his ass. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that actually sound that sounds good if they have that much interest in somebody like that. Off of our team, maybe they have even more interest in guys that would make a bigger impact. Boom, boom. Uh, Bill Armstrong on Alexandrov says he's much like, not Alex Steen, but Tyler Bozak. Hey, there he you has go. has some similar traits in him, so we were really excited about getting him because we hate Tyler Bozak. <laughs> we need to get Tyler Bozak out of here. Uh, he also said about drafting five players... When you're at the back of the pack and you don't have a first-rounder, you're trying to squeeze as much as you can out of it. We hustled as much as we could trying to move different avenues, try and get up. <laughs> mm, get it up. Phrasing. It's what it was at the end of the day. I thought our scouts and management did a good job of targeting guys, and they were there. Uh, we were able to get all the research, and we know the guys that we were getting. I, I hope. I hope. Who's that? I don't know. I just said a name in the mic, and a <laughs> guy walked down. <laughs> Thought we'd find out together. Uh, Alexi fucking Paratenka. <laughs> oh shit, someone stood up. <laughs> I love it. I love that. Uh, so the Blues drafted Alexandrov, who will join the team and I believe be in attendance at the prospect camp this week, which I'm going mm-hmm. to on. Thursday, so if anyone's down there, come and say hello. I'll drop by there and then race back here to record an excellent and insightful podcast, I'm sure. Um, Good, I'm, I'm glad. I was going <laughs> to make you go down because I'm like, someone needs to go down, Yeah, but Steven. it's not me. <laughs> uh, the 93rd overall pick at the end of the third round was used to take Colton Ellis, a goalie of the Ramuski Oceanic which is probably Oshani or something mm. by the French standards, of the QMJHL. 18-year-old is 6-1 and 183 towns. He has 46 games under his belt this season with a 9-10 save percentage and a 247 goals against average, which he raised to 919 and 236 in 12 playoff games. Mm. And if everyone constantly scores in the QMJHL, then I suppose, by contrast, goalie stats should be much worse. So that sounds pretty good, yeah, actually. exactly. Um, Ellis was a very solid goalie in the QMJHL for the past two seasons and was an important part of Ramuski's long playoff run. He's one of the most athletic goalies available for this year's draft, Jake. Oh, no. He can get to the pucks most goalies can't, Jake. Oh, <laughs> he has powerful legs and his push-offs let him get across the crease very quickly. Jake Allen. He, he anticipates <laughs> plays fine, Jake Allen, but I find there is a lot of extra movement in this game. <laughs> While Ellis moves very quickly, it always feels like he's moving too much and not tracking pucks as well as Just he can. Just say it aloud now. Jake Allen. Jake Allen. 
Well, we're getting rid of him. Uh, so we, we have to replace him. We have a need. You add in the fact that he's just under six foot one. I don't know how tall Jake Allen is, but I'm just going to say Jake Allen. Allen. <laughs> <laughs> There's some cause for concern on his NHL projection. Jake <laughs> Allen. The team that is picking him is picking the athlete with the knowledge. There's stuff to work on. Jerk! Oh! Oh my God! Oh uh, God! That's too I, funny. That whole description is great. <laughs> I did not plan any of that, but God, it worked out. Oh, uh, well, it's a, on the positive. Jake Allen six two. It's a totally close. The it's closest a bankrupt ever. comparison. It's bankrupt. <laughs> That's too scary. <laughs> the one nice thing I'll say about this pick is that this is a third round pick for a goalie. Barely third round, but third round pick. One of our third round picks for a goalie, Jordan Bennington. Uh huh. So there you go. Billy Hughes said too, or was he a second? He was a second. I think, yeah, he was higher. On Ellis, Bill Armstrong says, he's an impressive kid. He's a worker. He's someone that has high goaltender IQ. Someone that has always been a solid player for Murnuski, and he's shown flashes of brilliance in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. You just, cool. Jake Allen. <laughs> um, I don't care. We have so many goal. I mean, we'll talk about it too. We have so many goalies in the pipeline that really, if Colton Ellis don't work out, <coughs> bless you. God, I don't know. I need to go take Claritin for real. <laughs> you need to go to the ER. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, if Colton Ellis doesn't work out, okay. Yeah. Moving on. Absolutely. Uh, the goalies, the Blues obviously took another goalie later, which we'll talk about. But first, we have to talk about Kean or Keen. Keon? Oh, I thought there was two N's in there. I thought Kane? it was Keenan. Keen? No, it's definitely not Keenan. K E E A N. Yeah. Keen? I I assume. It's too too close to Ian, and I hate that he's ruining my Kean. name with his name. Keen, you've ruined my name Kean. with your name. Keen Washkarak. Well, at least the last name's a common one that yeah. we can pronounce. <laughs> of the. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Mississauga Steelheads of the OHL, 5'10", 184 pounds, left-handed shot, not interested. Mm -hmm. He's just 17 years old. He was named the Western Conference's hardest-working player in an OHL coaches poll. His feet are always moving, and he plays much bigger than his size, says Carl Stewart of NHL Central Scouting Bureau. What are your thoughts on the Blues drafting Keenan Washker? That's the 155th pick. Kid, I hope you never make it. (laughs) (laughs) So mean. Um, I saw on the NHL Network's draft coverage that they said something about him being like, oh, just a super hard worker. Uh And they're like, of course the Blues draft a guy that works hard. That's their whole MO. But you can can teach working hard. I'm sure he has some actual skill, but like that's the thing they kept hammering home. And I'm like, I don't care if he works hard. I mean, I do care, but you can... A 17-year-old that doesn't work hard, you don't say. You know, like, I can, uh, I can teach that to you in your sleep. But they're like, oh, that's his, that's the shining star of this guy. And butter. I'm like, so yeah, fourth line, uh, ceiling maximum. But good for you, Kian. Kian. Yeah. Kian. Uh, Dave Reed says, does everything he's asked to by his coach. What? Right. I mean. <laughs> what? Okay. Tremendous speed brings energy to his game, which gets into the forecheck. Good with Canada in the under-18 World Championships. 
would expect him to develop into more of an offensive player. Now, see, tremendous speed, more that of an helps. offensive player. That stuff I like. This makes me think he skates fast and throws his body into people yeah. at whatever he is, 5'10". He had 16 goals and 31 assists in 66 games with the Steelheads. Okay, that's right. Not bad. Corey Proven says, Watch Kirk played all situation minutes for the Steelheads, and I was impressed by how he handled himself in limited time at the U18s. He's not a dynamic player, <laughs> particularly for five foot ten. But Washkarik has a high compete level and a good talent base. He skates well with the ability to push the pace. His stride technique isn't perfect, but he looks faster because of how hard he works. He's not all speed and energy, though, as Washkarik has impressive hands and often dangled defenders at speed. I don't know if he has enough skill to make it to the NHL at his side, but he's got a chance. So cool. you're saying there's a chance. Yep. Great. Uh, looked like the draft was winding to a close when the Blues shocked everyone by trading up, trading their 2027th round pick to the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, making good on that earlier conversation with Kyle, Kyle Dubas from two nights before, trading to draft Vadim Jarinko from NHK, MHK Dynamo Moskva, which is Moscow, I think, unless it's not, I don't know. Um, I have... Can't say. He's six foot two, Drake. Hundred and seventy two pounds. He has a nine thirty-six save percentage, a two twenty-nine goals against average in nineteen games, and he's eighteen years old, and that's all we know about him. Yeah. Uh Bill Armstrong, I forgot to say his Wash correct quote. He said he's a feisty little kid. Probably had one of the best fights last year in the OHL. Again, not a talent. Yeah. <laughs> we uh, were so impressed. He's got some skill. He's got some nastiness. He's got certain types of qualities Sammy Blay has, and he also has chlamydia. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, where he's got a little bit of grit and a little bit of skill. What did you say? We're gonna work on that. Yeah. Well, you know, that's that's just a common. You can teach that away. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he talked about trading up to move up for Jarenko. One of our guys saw him over there. It's exactly what you yeah. said. And then we did a lot of homework on him. It's a shot in the dark, but what that type of kid, the research we had, and our Russian scout, we felt comfortable taking him. You know, this is when you say, Dominic Hasek was a seventh-round pick, so you never know. <laughs> he said on taking two goalies, we always keep them in mind. As you could see in Game 7, they are important. Dagger! Uh, you always strive, you're always striving to make sure that the cupboard is always full with the goaltenders. Uh, anything else on this guy? No. No, nope, nothing. Zero. Nothing. That's it. Um, let's talk about drafting two goalies for a minute. We can talk mm. about that, I suppose. Um, our, fine. I'm fine with it. I'm uh, really fine with let's it. Let's say our team is morally bankrupt. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be finer with it in a, uh, seven pick or eight pick draft. Mm -hmm. But you have... Look at this team right now. You had Bennington come from nowhere yep. to be an NHL star. We really don't know if he's fine next year, 
if he's good next year, if he's great next year, or if he's terrible next year. I think terrible is the least likely of those outcomes. <laughs> I really do. I don't well, think I, hope. I don't think it's like an Andrew Hammond situation. But it's a possibility. Mm-hmm. It's not off the table, and I think anyone who says it is, a little crazy. They're a little, and not even crazy, but just like unaware of how goaltending works mm-hmm. in the NHL. Jake Allen was really good for a long time. Then he was terrible. And I know people are now like, he's not terrible. He's a Stanley Cup champion. Doesn't matter. Can't pay him that much to be a backup. Get rid of him. Terrible. <laughs> but no, I mean, more to the point, if you find, if you draft and develop one good goalie a decade, you're set. Mm. But very hard to do. Extremely hard to do. And you see it with Billy Huso. Billy Huso started the season as... Our, one of our top prospects and definitely our top goalie prospect and even on top of being passed over by Bennington he had an awful year in San Antonio mm-hmm. and he got injured and maybe he's back next year and he's amazing but there's no guarantee of that and if they does it another year that's like the end of Billy Huso mm-hmm. you know and it's like I don't think I don't think he'll be terrible but like it's such a like there's so few opportunities for goaltenders to get playing time you know, the other guys are developing every game. They're playing 82 games a year. They're playing, or whatever, they're, yeah. you know, 66 or whatever their league has. They're playing 12 minutes a night. These guys are playing 30 games a year, maybe, against weaker competition than they'll play anywhere else, you know, as as the leagues progress. And I get that that's true for everybody, but it's so hard to develop goalies. On top of that, we lost Chad Johnson, which doesn't mean anything, but... <laughs> If you, I typically think of like you have six goalies in your system, mm-hmm. two in the NHL, two in the AHL, and two kind of roamers, an ECHL and a junior, or like whatever. Yeah. We lost Johnson. We lost Bennington to being a professional. Yeah, and God willing, we're gonna lose Jake yeah, Allen. Not as gone. not as an indictment against Jake Allen, but because we need to trade him. Mm-hmm. We can't pay him that much to be a backup, and. We lost Luke Pilka to injury before last season, which I think a lot of people have forgotten about. So that's four goalies of your six <laughs> that just disappeared. And now if you consider Jake Allen traded, you are down to Joel Hofer, who I think is pretty mm-hmm. good, Billy Huso in the AHL, probably backed up by Evan Fitzpatrick. Yeah. Then you're signing whatever veteran to spell, you know, for a year or two behind... Bennington, while you hopefully see Huso rise to being an NHL backup, mm-hmm. and then that's it. You ain't got nobody else. Fitzpatrick is his backup in the AHL, and Hofer's still in junior, I guess, or maybe in the ECHL, ECHL or something. I don't yeah. know if he's twenty yet. You did need. We did need but at I least one need, more. Goal you had to get one, and mm. I have no problem with you getting two. The Russian guy's gonna stay in Russia mm. for a year or two, and also the trading up thing is a little weird to me, because we'll talk about Michelle in a minute. I mean, there's nothing like enticing about him particularly, so that's a little strange to me. But like, if you think, even if if it's it's the two hundred eighth pick, if you're looking at this guy and saying. Probably nothing, but there's like a one in a hundred chance he's really good. Mm-hmm. Just Fuck take it. it. I don't care. Well, like you're saying, that's better. Th- to me, that's much better than like 
a three out of ten chance that he's a fourth liner. Yeah. You know, like... Well, it's risk versus reward, except there's not really, like you were saying before, like there's not really a risk. Yeah. It's like, let's see, there is nothing, which is everybody else at that level, or they're great. The risk for him is two seventh round picks. Yeah. Oh, I know, boy. Um... Yeah, I don't. I like our goaltending system. I think. I think Fit, you. You guys know if you've listened long enough. I really like Fitzpatrick. Um, we'll see what Husa does this year. Bennington obviously is like the diamond in the rough mm-hmm. miracle. Think of it this way: we didn't draft a goalie in twenty seventeen. Uh huh. But in twenty eighteen and twenty sixteen, we drafted a goalie, Fitzpatrick, and then Hoffer. Um, I think. You, yeah, you just averaged out a goalie a year. I think you typically draft one a year. Yeah, makes and sense. This is our two for makeup for 2017 and losing a couple. I'm yeah. losing Opilka. I think that's about it. Mm, and it's weird to think this too, but like you don't, you want to have an amazing draft every draft, but at a certain point, you're, there's just going to be years that you're just kind of okay with this it. This year is and this was, was always going to suck. Yeah, you this year was never going to be a fantastic Your highest draft. pick was 62, which is like a. A one in a dozen chance of making any sort of meaningful impact in the NHL. Mm-hmm. You trade that for a Stanley Cup. That's fine. Mm-hmm. The last first round pick the Pittsburgh Penguins made that is still on their roster is Sidney Crosby. <laughs> and I'm not saying we go that route either. I think Jim Rutherford kind of sucks. I think he's shown us that with some of his recent moves. <laughs> but... All I'm saying is you don't... The draft isn't everything. Mm-hmm. You can't ruin your team with one bad draft unless it's a first overall pick that you somehow blow or something like that, you mm-hmm. know? Otherwise, you're not doing that much damage, and I think this yeah. draft was whatever. We should mention real quickly before we get off this object subject too much that with the final pick of the draft, we selected Jeremy Michel from Valdior for years in QMJHL making four, three of our five picks QMJHL players, which yeah. is strange. Uh, he's 6'1", 150 pounds, he's 18, and you have 42 points in 64 games in the queue. But even Justin Harker <laughs> could score 42 points in 64 games in the queue. Bill Armstrong on Michelle had uh, something to say somewhere, I think. Uh, we lean on our Quebec scout, Michelle Picard, at those points. He's brought us some guys to the table like Barbashev and Blay. He was one of those kids. He's a late rounder. There's a lot of risk. No, there's not. <laughs> but at the same time, he's a good hockey player. It's we good like player. They say there's a lot of risk, like there's a lot of risk that they don't work out, which is technically true, but yeah. also for everyone. Everybody. Yeah, literally any It's not pick. like you passed up on like a home a run. A surefire yeah. seventh rounder. <laughs> Um, and if you did, it's like a Mackenzie McEachern type, mm-hmm. where it's like, for sure this guy will be like a 14th forward in your yeah, organization. Yeah, oh, 100%. Yeah, no chance he misses that threshold. Yeah, I just think overall this draft, like, it didn't have to be amazing. I would have liked it to be better just because it would be more fun uh, to be able to read comments of different um, draft experts that we had an amazing one, but... Mm-hmm. We didn't necessarily, and the only thing I was ever going to think was I wish we would have gotten maybe a defenseman because we got, what was it, three center, or two centers, a right wing, and two goalies. I mean, the forwards can move positions, but 
I would have liked defensemen, but at the same time, we need defensemen on the Blues. Yeah. And no one we drafted, even at, you know, whatever our highest was, 62, was going to be on this team for another two or three years. Mm -hmm. So, like, you just pick the best player. And we do actually, people are saying we don't have that many defensemen in the pipeline. We do. I don't know how good they are, but they are there. At least lefties, Yeah. yeah. Another thing I forgot to mention is we don't know that the Blues haven't had talks about trading you, so. Mm-hmm. or whomever, Fitzpatrick or Hofer. Goalie prospect trades usually aren't worth a lot, so mm-hmm. it's unlikely, but Huso at least might garner some interest. Or maybe you're looking at, like, maybe you're like, I'll give you Allen and Hofer for, like, a third-round pick or whatever to, mm-hmm. like, take his contract or, you know, your, I don't know, Huso for your backup. Like, if there's a, not Garrett Sparks because he sucks, but if there's some backup that people are shopping that's cheap, you know, you don't know. You don't know what they're thinking. So before you, like, f- get furious that they drafted a second goalie in the seventh round, I think maybe the Stanley Cup shows that they at least sort of know what they're doing. Are you saying, perhaps, that if we were to trade Jake Allen and we didn't get much back for Jake Allen, that it would just be a salary dump and that people shouldn't crucify us for not getting a big return oh, for Jake Allen? Oh, look at that <laughs> transition, I think. In a way, it's close enough. We're going towards that. Why don't we transition right now to our newest segment, which is the worst take I ever saw this week. This is the worst take I ever saw this week. Submissions for the new theme song for this is the worst take I ever saw this week. So that's what I made. I hope you loved it. If you hated it, tell us, because yeah, we're really it. on the fence. So, <laughs> um, let's take a look at two takes that I think are god-awful. First, oh boy, I'm going to sneeze again. <laughs> the <laughs> Claritin. Not working. Not that fast acting. Ooh, but it didn't happen. Michael Russo of the Minnesota... God damn it. <laughs> 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 wild... Uh, beat reporter of The Athletic, quoting Paul Fenton, said, The thing I liked is when guys came up to our table and they were way taller than me. We've had some smaller prospects, good hockey players, but every time somebody came up and they were much taller, you got a lot of smile. You got a smile on a lot of our faces. Wow. <laughs> Their pipeline must just be awful. I saw the best, I think the best reaction to this was when um, I saw the tweet and it was just in meme format and yeah. underneath the tweet was Jared Spurgeon looking up at the tweet. <laughs> As like, because he's shorter yeah. than the tweet because he's very short. Um, oh my God. If Doug Armstrong ever said that, I would mm. immediately want him fired. <laughs> it's so it's such a I know it's a joke and like I get it, it's like a fun little joke, but still it's like also like the dumbest comment to make when people are actually asking like, "Hey, what do you think of like your draft picks?" Like, "Oh, I love that one and they're taller than me." Isn't uh-huh. that hilarious? Like, great. Especially if you're like the new wild GM, he hasn't even been there a full season and you need to make a good impression on this organization and its fans, especially. And the, these are these weird little comments <laughs> you're making where it's like, I just like big guys. And it's like, yeah, okay. 
Great. Yeah, and I think you already made a bad enough impression by all the leaked details of the Kessel trade that mm-hmm. wasn't that would have been an absolute shameless disaster for your organization. Mm-hmm. Um, Zach Parisi reportedly wants out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're trying to trade Jason Zucker, who's your best forward. How tall is Jason Zucker? Is that the reason? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to Google it right now. I don't think Nino Niederreiter was very tall. Um, yeah, it's like... It's the same as I was saying with Cole Caulfield when I said we get back to this. When are they going to get over the fact, yep, Jason Zucker's 5'10", that's how tall oh, Paul Finn is, there's your the problem. Get the fuck out of here. When are they... I'm not saying that on the whole, it's not better to be taller than shorter in hockey. Mm-hmm. It obviously is. But when are they going to get over the fact that height is not going to prevent people with incredible talent from exceeding, from succeeding and exceeding, excelling mm-hmm. in this league? How many Johnny Gaudreau's and Alex DeBrincats and Patrick Kane's and whoever else do they need before they get it through their thick, old, white, idiot skulls? <laughs> Jack Hughes. Jack Hughes isn't overly huge. Yeah. At all. Not even close. And how many, like, how many, on the other hand, and I'm not picking on our, on our guy because he's our guy, but how many Tage Thompsons do they need to see? Mm-hmm. Tage Thompson is not a mid to late first rounder if he's not six and a half feet tall. Mm-hmm. I just don't think he is. And and we took him, so I'm not shitting on another organization. Well, I was shitting on Buffalo a little bit. But, <laughs> but like... Yeah, it's always like if they've got skill and they also have size, it's almost like 50-50. Like yeah. his, his uh, stock went up by a whole bunch. Cole Caulfield dropped to 15. Somebody's going to get a star. You know? It's just, I just don't get it. I don't get it at all. If I just can't believe that that's as big a criteria as everything else. Yeah. Everything else that makes a hockey player a good hockey player. And you're like, yes, but he's also tall. And they're like, well, shit, fuck if he doesn't have good hands. Fuck if he's slow-ass skater, he's tall. And that's what we need on this team. It's like, okay, well, his wingspan doesn't matter when a dude skates around him. Tori Krug is 5'9". Brad Marchand is 5'9". Victor Arvidsson is 5'9". Jared Spurgeon's 5'9". Johnny Gaudreau's 5'9". Tyler Johnson's 5'8". Cam Atkinson's 5'8". Connor Sheary's 5'8". Matt Zuccarello is 5'8". Jonathan Mershishow is 5'9". That's just the 10 guys that the hockey writer... That may have been 9. I may accidentally skip one. That's the 10 guys that somebody else at the hockey writers wrote were the 10 best undersized players in the league. It's just... I don't care if you think height is a positive. It obviously is. It's better to be taller than shorter in the league on the whole. But the idea that you can look at a guy with absurd talent and think, too short, just mm-hmm. too short, you fucking, then that's how you let the Blackhawks get Alex DeBrincat. Mm-hmm. That's how you let the Blackhawks continue to be relevant. Not because they're good but because they saw a guy with 40 goals and thought, well, we can't pass on him a second time. <laughs> or what? they may have yeah. not even had a first that year. It may have been the first time they passed on him. Or <clears throat> the first opportunity they'd had to draft him. I just I cannot believe it. And I know Cole Caulfield is going to end up being one of the five or ten best players from this draft. And friggin' 
the Edmonton Oilers, who are got desperate for forwards to help Connor McDavid. I mean, I realize they're desperate for everything, but they're desperate for forwards to help Connor McDavid. They're going to draft, they drafted some boring ass Swedish defenseman because, God forbid, they draft a guy that's 5'9 or whatever the hell Caulfield is. Mm. No, that's, I don't know why they think it matters that much. I think maybe it's more like it's a man sport and look at this man. What it's a man. exactly what it is. They're just knuckle draggers and mouth breathers, whatever. Um, let's move on to the other worst take, and then we'll discuss draft, or, uh, trades, rather. Alan Walsh, who is a notoriously loudmouth, uh, agent on Twitter, said, I had five high-level NHL club executives tell me today the salary cap is killing the NHL. A team drafts well, it develops its players, they become contenders, and now GMs are forced to literally give away key assets. Which is a good transition. I will yell at Alan Walsh through the medium of talking about these trades. Mm The Vancouver Canucks acquire J.T. Miller from the Tampa Bay Lightning for Merrick Mazanik, number 71 pick in 2019, and a conditional first-round pick in 2020, which I assume is what top I think it's protected. like lottery-protected, yeah. Um, I think just lottery, though, because I know some people are pissed that it could be like a fifth overall pick and mm-hmm. be really... Yeah. And you never know, because if Markstrom isn't good this year like he was last year, bye-bye. Bye-bye, 2025th overall pick. Bye-bye. Um, this is a bad trade for both teams. Um, I like JT Miller. Yeah. I don't know how many points he had last year. I'll try to look it up without the computer crashing again. But He's like a better Tyler Bozak. Um, I like JT Miller on the whole. He had 47 points last year. He's six one, so he's a real hockey player. <laughs> He's 26 years old, 53.8% Corsi, but how can you tell what that matters on the Lightning? I guess I could look at relative Corsi. 2.9 relative Corsi on the Lightning. He's good. Mm -hmm. He's great. This team, this still says that he's on the Tampa Bay Lightning, which I don't think is true, Mm -hmm. because we're discussing how he's not anymore. I don't trust anyone Um, on that site. He has a $5.25 million deal through 2023. That's very... In the, in the age of Kevin Hayes, oh, that's, that's pretty team-friendly. Modified no-trade clause kicking in, I presumably, on July 1st, yeah. which is why they had to get this done. Um, this is a, a fine trade relative to the other two cap-clearing trades. Mm-hmm. This is a fine trade for the um, Lightning, mm-hmm. because they get the best first-round pick they'll have in a decade, probably, either way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think it's a bad trade for the Canucks, because no. this is a guy that can step up and play with uh, Horvat and Besser or Pedersen and I think Horvat some of their problems were that their, their forward depth currently isn't very good. Yeah. Like, in Vancouver, mm-hmm. they have guys in the pipeline, but right now they don't have much on, like, third line. Yeah, so this is fine. Um, but here's the thing. The Tampa Bay Lightning deserve no tears for their salary cap situation because any other team would be in a much worse one. Mm-hmm. 
They're going to sign Braden Point. It's going to be an embarrassingly low contract because they have no taxes and everybody else signed an embarrassingly low contract. And the drop, the beat's just going to keep on rolling. Mm-hmm. Now let's talk about two of the more two of the other ones that uh, Walsh probably is talking about more. Carolina Hurricanes acquire Patrick Marlowe along with a conditional first-round pick and a seventh-round pick in the 2020 NHL draft from the Toronto Maple Leafs in exchange for a sixth-round pick in next year's draft. Uh, the expectation is that Carolina will buy out Marlowe and San Jose will sign him as a UFA, although there are rumors that Don Waddell will do his best to sell Marlowe on playing in Carolina. Not going to work. Good, good luck. Um... This is a pure salary dump. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. You said on the first or second episode of this podcast yeah. that you would eat a shoe mm-hmm. if Patrick Marlowe played the third year of his three-year $18 million contract on the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I'm out from under the shoe. You're out from under the shoe. But the other thing is, if you knew then when we were just rookie analysts instead of the season veterans that we are today, <laughs> that that was a bad contract that was going to look terrible in year three that they had to get out from under. Mm. Toronto did, too. Oh, like, everyone knows. Everyone knew, and nobody forced them to sign that contract. They wanted a guy. They overpaid to get a veteran presence to help lead Baby Marner and Baby Matthews up to be grown-up professional players, and he did that. And a lot of tears were shed. They had emotional feelings towards one another. Mm-hmm. They expressed them on Twitter. Amazing. Great. Nobody forced you to give up this asset. Also, also, you could trade Casperi Kapanen and get a lot, mm-hmm. a lot, if you wanted to just trade Casperi Kapanen so that you could keep... Patrick Marlowe, or or certainly Mitch Marner or Andreas Janssen, you can trade players that aren't salary dumps, but you chose to trade the salary dump guy and give up assets. Nobody forced you to do that. Mm-hmm. And that's what I hate about Alan Walsh's just whiny a team draft wells, drafts well, it develops its players, they become contenders, and now GMs are forced to literally give away key assets. If you were giving away key assets, you wouldn't be you wouldn't do it. You wouldn't mm-hmm. do it. If if the balance the reason you do it is cuz on balance you think you're improving your team. Mm. Well, it's like yeah, in a way you are forced, but that's like you're saying that's the problem when that's the point. You know what right. I mean? The whole point is that you can't just be this juggernaut. You can't be a lazy juggernaut. You can't get all the best players and go, and we're set, and I don't have to worry about the draft anymore. We'll draft whatever the fuck we want. Um, we're just going to sit here. I don't have to worry about trading anyone. I don't have to worry about what we resign people to. Whatever you want. Oh, we're still here. We're here. How old is everyone? Is everyone mid-20s? We'll be here for the next uh, 10 years. This yep. is where we'll be. The end. No, you have to actually I. think. I.e. the 90s Red Wings. Yeah, you have to think and work around it. And teams do. I mean, look at Tampa Bay right now. Granted, like you said, there's a little bit of a tax difference there, but it's like they do this all the time because they're a good organization. It's basically like I wish we could be lazy. I wish uh-huh. our, I wish our job, I wish my job was easier. Yeah. Because they're making my job hard. And here's the thing that I don't like about this. 
people talk about this issue, and we'll talk about the Subban trade in a minute because that's obviously kind of the headline one. People talk about this issue like it's like the league is unaware, like somebody <laughs> snuck it snuck it over on the league that people are giving up good assets mm. for these players to to clear cap space. That's what the league wants. Mm-hmm. The league chose parity over the system that the NFL NBA has. You can say that the NBA system is better. You're absolutely wrong. You're very, mm-hmm. very wrong, and I will fight anyone on that to the death. There are so many bad but teams in the NBA. The NBA, there, there's no point to rooting for anyone that isn't the Warriors or the Raptors. Or I was like, you've got like five, five teams. teams, basically, yeah. in the whole league, and that's it. There's a handful more that'll be like fun, yeah, but ultimately don't have a prayer. And then there's everybody else. Mm-hmm. I've been a Chicago Bulls fan for the last decade, so I know how pointless it is <laughs> to be a team that's, like, fine. Not mm-hmm. even fine. Bad, but not quite bad enough to land, like, a LeBron or a, or a Zion or whoever. So that system is obviously bankrupt, and I think anyone who says otherwise is stupid. The only mm-hmm. advantage is that there are ways to work around, you know, there are ways to overpay for stars. And, yeah, I get that the people at the bottom want the money and it benefits them. But the people at the bottom here get to compete and mm-hmm. win. You know? I just, so let's talk about the Subban trade. Because this is the one that I think Walsh was most obviously calling out. And it's also the one that is most egregiously stupid towards <laughs> his point for me. P.K. Subban was traded from the Nashville Predators to the New Jersey Devils in exchange for Steven Santini, who is a... Maybe sixth defenseman, probably seventh. Mm. Jeremy Davies, I don't know anything about him. A second round pick in the 2019 draft and a second round pick in the 2020 draft. It's obviously a salary dump. Honestly, by the way, not that bad of a return for a salary dump. Yeah. Two second rounders for them to take the whole cap hit mm-hmm. is not that bad. It was just funny to see Blues fans. Saying, like, oh, man, they got nothing for him. You know, sucks to suck. And I was like, I'm not going to try and defend the Predators necessarily, but it's like, I don't think you understand that this is, like, a cap dump. Yeah. I don't think you understand that they weren't like, man, get this dude the fuck out of here. We need, you know, let's get our, we're highest bidder. We're yeah. getting the the biggest thing we possibly can. No, they're just, I mean, they're trying to, but it's like, we just need him out of here. Here's the thing. Everyone knows that the reason they're dumping this cap is to extend Roman Yossi mm-hmm. and to pursue Matt Duchesne and free agency. Yeah. Because their centers suck. Here's the thing, Alan Walsh. Absolutely no one forced them to pay Ryan Johansson and Kyle Turris a combined $14 million to suck. Which they both do. They are both dramatically overpaid for their production. Mm -hmm. And maybe that stops. But here's the thing. If you already have $14 million committed to centers, to two centers, you probably should not be in a position where you feel like you have to go get (laughs) the top free agent center. That is probably not the salary cap's fault, Alan. It's probably the shitty management's fault, wouldn't you say? (laughs) Wouldn't you say if Ryan Johansson is a barely 60-point player who gets paid $8 million a year and Kyle Turris is a, I don't know what he made this year, but or what he 
produce this year, but like a 40 to 50 point player who gets paid $6 million a year, and you don't think those guys are your number one and number two center, maybe don't pay them to be that or surround them with better talent or do whatever you have to do. Minnesota or Nashville's forward core, it's not Minnesota, mm-hmm. but I think it's only not Minnesota because they have a lot better defensemen who make the forwards look good. Mm-hmm. Nashville's forward core is deep but very shallow, mm-hmm. or like wide but very shallow. I think Philip Forsberg is has peaked and is already like past his peak, not age wise, but like he's not as good as he used to be. He's as, he's, I was not say he's as good as he's, he'll ever be. I don't think like there's anything He's like a 55, 60 that. point player, which is fine, mm-hmm. but that's what they've already got like six of. And that's cool, but they don't have any stars. And I don't think Matt Duchesne Shane steps in and makes Philip Forsberg a star. Mm-hmm. Mikhail Granlin's pretty good, but he's also the same. Isn't he a center? No, he's a wing, I think, technically. But, like, I just... Nobody forced them to trade for P.K. Subban. Nobody forced them to give away P.K. Subban. That was their calculated effort to open up salary cap space. And when you try to say that that the team, oh, woe is me, the team is forced to give up this space so that they can pursue a free agent. This one isn't even, like, to keep their own players. Mm -hmm. Like, I know it's Yossi to some extent, but I'm sure most of it will be Duchesne. You could probably dump a much lower player to keep Yossi. Like, it's just, it's the worst take I've ever heard this week. Undeniably. (laughs) And by a distant, distant margin. And it will be the worst take I ever hear until next week. Like, rich people want to make it easy for them to stay rich Yeah, and I get, I get, I should say, I get that he's an agent and has to say stupid Mm -hmm. things. But just don't say them in public, please. (laughs) Or you open yourself to my wrath. Uh, let's talk about some questions, shall we? Wrap up with some questions from the no. Twitter sphere. Yeah, I mean, yes, okay. but you gave me a chance to well, answer, yeah, that's so, so no. That's fair. Uh, Tommy Hummel, our good friend Tommy Hummel, at Hummeltown on Twitter, worth a follow, asks, Besides Jordan Cairo and Mitch Reinke, who would you say has a chance to turn some heads this September in camp? We will talk about, I mean, we'll talk about it a little now, but just so everyone knows, we have a prospect pyramid coming up. Mm, $10,000 pyramid. Our favorite episode, my one of our favorite episodes. We go really deep into we'll get these get the whiteboard guys. out. Phrasing. It's right there. Um, On the ground. <laughs> and we will draw the most excellent pyramid and it'll be great. But besides Cairo and Reinke, who are you looking to potentially turn some heads at camp this year. Is Mitch, or Mitch, I can't even remember his first name, Scott Perunovich allowed to be at camp now? Is he done with college? I think so, yes. Because I think they're not even allowed to actually be at the camp if they're, like, in college or something. Something along those lines. Or maybe they're not allowed to be in, like, September camp because school. But anyways, I think he's actually going to be real impressive, or at least a player to watch in this camp because... I think he's got a much better chance of making this team quickly than any of our other defensive prospects currently. And I'd say that in regards to even maybe Renke or um, Wallman. Like, I know Renke's played, what, a game, a game or two the Uh year prior to this. 
but I like how uh, Jake Wallman is still part of this system. Man, remember like, when Jake Wallman was the guy coming up, shit. and yeah. Vince Dunn was just the other dude behind him, uh-huh. and then everyone keeps passing. Uh, Jake Wallman, yeah. So I'd I'd look for Scott Prunovich. I think he's he's un, he's undersized for a defenseman, isn't he? Like five ten or uh-huh. something. But I think he's probably shorter than Paul Fenton. Mm-hmm. Paul Fenton, not a fan <laughs> of this pick. And he's, he's like, up there. Made that pick. He's up there in Minnesota to lose, so he's had plenty of time to get the ruler out and take <laughs> measure. And you really... can, if you can just stand still for a moment, I'm gonna <laughs> unload this iPhone app. Let's yeah. see, measure top to bottom. Ooh, not quite there, buddy. Five eight and three quarters. Get out of here. You can't. You got to be this tall to ride, Paul Fenton. <laughs> <laughs> Perunovic was also going to be my option. Uh, I think. One defenseman is mm-hmm. going to rise. I don't know who it is. Um, Clem Costum. Clem Costum could. He could go have a really good summer. And that's the thing. We've got another question in here that we'll talk about. But, like, man, yeah, why don't we go ahead and go to that question? Yeah, yeah. We can kind of answer them together. Uh, but where is it? Where is it? Where is it? David A. Chisholm? Chisholm? Not schism, because there's no S. Uh, Chisholm, at Chisholm underscore D, C-H-I-S-M underscore D, asks, Would you rather have the Blues guarantee Kairou a top nine spot next year or force him to earn it with his play? I could see an argument for either. What are your thoughts? (laughs) Because I think I know my answer, but... I don't think there's... Well, I guess we were saying the opposite with Thomas. I don't think there's ever a time where I'm like, you you have to give this man a spot. The only times that you have to give someone a spot is when they actually have done the second thing, when they've played so well that it's like you have to give them a spot, obviously. Mm-hmm. Now, if they're really if they're really good, say you uh, you draft uh, Jack Hughes, and you only got to give him a spot next year. Is it because he outplayed everyone? And granted, he hasn't yet because he's not played with anyone the Devils, but you know he will. So yeah, you put him up there. Um, s- sort of the same thing with Jordan Cairo. I'm like, yeah, he's got to outplay the competition on this team, but I kind of just assume he will. So I mean, let it happen. Let's see what happens. I think he's the one forward on in our pipeline that I would say we'll see time up here next year. That would be our, our rookie forward next year. We had Thomas this year. I think it's Kyra next year. I hope we open up a spot so even if it's not for him, it's for somebody. And that could be Zach Sanford. That could be Sammy Blett. You know, this could be any of these guys playing a full season with us or close enough, you know, 50-plus games with us. Mm-hmm. So, I, so I hope for that. And then I do kind of hope it's... Kyrie's spot that he earns and he takes it because that'd be awesome. But I do think we have to give him, we have to give him that opportunity with that spot open. If we don't have that open, then what's he supposed to do? Is he going to beat out Alexander Steen for playing time? No. So then he's got nowhere to go. Yep. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, I think you said it perfectly. I you can't guarantee anyone. Mm-hmm. A, a spot because if he just comes in and dogs it at camp, bye bye. You go mm. back to AHL or whatever, you know. But like with Thomas last year was obviously unique because of the whole uh, weird proclivities with the <laughs> junior <laughs> age gap. I'm really big fond of the word 
proclivities to it. Um, we talked about that ad nauseum last year, but yeah, I think what you said, you have to clear a spot mm-hmm. with the assumption that Jordan Cairo will probably step in and take it. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the reasons I, we talked about Maroon last time. I don't want to drive that point home in a, in a dickish fashion, but we just, can next episode. It just makes zero sense for me to resign him. It makes none at all to me. Mm-hmm. And that's another reason, and I know this is as or even more unpopular, that it makes a lot of sense to me to trade Braden Shin. Mm-hmm. It makes almost more sense to me to trade Braden Shin than not sign. No, it doesn't. Never mind. But like. <laughs> Robert Thomas should not be your third line right wing. There's an argument maybe he's not ready to be your second center, but he probably is. He's at least in your top here's, six. Here's the thing. When he was on Bozak's and Maroon's line mm-hmm. as the wing, he was so clearly the best player on that line mm-hmm. that they had to like elevate themselves to keep up with him. Mm-hmm what's above a third line it's the second line <laughs> well again they double shifted him in the games in the, in the dallas series i don't know how else you could say like well he's not guaranteed anything he was getting double shifted in the playoffs yeah. and that's the so to so, your point about jack hughes i'm not saying jack i'm not saying robert thomas is jack hughes i would say i don't think he's as far off as a lot of people think he is Mm-hmm. Especially from Jack Hughes, who's like really good, but not like the Connor McDavid level guy. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Robert Thomas probably is like a stone's throw from a Nico Heischer type. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's twenty. He's gonna be twenty this year, right? Was Nico Heischer in his draft? That was his draft, yeah, twenty sixteen. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I was yeah. just gonna say, I wonder what the redraft would be. It's a good question. Yeah, that's interesting. I'll I'll look for... There's probably the year that they'd start doing those sorts of articles. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean... You can't... If you put him on the second line, there's going to be growing pains, probably. Mm -hmm. That's going to happen eventually, no matter what. So you can keep Shin another year. You cannot extend Shin. There's no argument for it at all. You can't pay Shin $64 million over eight years, which is what his contract will be, or close to it, to block Robert Thomas's spot. Just mm-hmm. makes no sense. So you can keep Shin another year and say, we're loading up for another playoff run. And that's fine. And you can even say, you know, if it, as Doug has said before, if it falls apart at the before the deadline, we'll trade Shin. Mm-hmm. But you can get so much more for Shin right now. And that's the thing about trading him. You can maybe answer another need. You know what we really need? A good left-handed defenseman. A really good left-handed defenseman. Mm. I think there's some team where Braden Shin and or Joel Edmondson buys you that. And I don't think Joel Edmondson's bad, but I just don't think he's like a power play quarterback in LHD anymore. Mm-hmm. And um, to bring this all back <laughs> to Cairo, which was the point, you can't have Patrick Maroon blocking a spot that Jordan Cairo or Zach Sanford or Sammy Boy could take. Mm-hmm. You can't be paying him upwards of $4 million, which 
which I'm promised people is what he's going to make. Three, at least. Three plus. Yeah, it's over three. For less performance than those guys are going to give you when they're cheaper, younger, hungrier, and have a higher ceiling. You can't do that, and good teams don't do that. And so with Kairou, to wrap it up, no, you don't guarantee him a spot and just say, like, right wing on the third line is yours, buddy. Mm-hmm. You know, move into Tyler Bozak's basement and drink margaritas with Molly. But, like, you also can't be, like, fight for it. Fight to prove that you're better than Patrick Maroon because that's not going to happen because you're paying Patrick Maroon $3.5 million. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's so, the other thing. He can't be, I mean, as much as we like Berube uh-huh. and the way he conducts this team, he's not, if someone's making a boatload of money, Kairu's not going to supplant them, even if he is better, because they just can't be like, oh, we're, we're just going to bury Patrick yeah. Maroon and that contract. Like, you, they, they, it makes it doubly tough for him right. to crack the lineup. Right. Trading, to me, trading Shin and, and, querying, and querying Maroon is the perfect balance of, like, I have still kept the heartbeat of my Stanley Cup roster, Mm -hmm. but I'm giving room for guys to grow. This team team on the whole is younger than Pat Maroon and Brayden shit. Yeah. Tarasenko and and O'Reilly are our age, right? And Shin, yeah, Shin is a li- maybe a little younger than us, but, like, it's just, yeah, I think I, that's that makes sense to me. And Kairu, I want to see up here as much as possible next year. Because do. I don't think he has a lot to prove in the AHL, and I think he's a type of player we do not have right now. Mm-hmm. And we're the Stanley Cup champions, so maybe we don't need it, but I'll take an electric, speedy, you know, Alex DeBrincat-esque winger. I've seen people say, like, whether... Asking whether or not we should trade Jordan Kyrou, like, in a trade package for something. If, you know, we find a player, you know, what do, we, what do you think it'll take to get, you know, player A? Oh, it might take Jordan Kyrou. And people going, okay, is that feasible? Would we be okay with trading Jordan Kyrou? And I saw some comments where people were like, well, he doesn't really fit our system. We're not really a fast team. Jordan Kyrou doesn't really fit with our team. And I was like, boy, oh, boy. Like, I don't know what the comparison is, but it's just like putting a better engine in your car and you're like, yeah, but that's shiny and new and helps the car out. But does it really fit the aesthetic of like the old car around it? And it's like, it's going to make your car faster and that's what you need. And they're like, yeah, but does it really fit like the aesthetic of the car? And it's like, I don't give a shit about the aesthetic. If he's the, if he's running laps around this team, good. Fucking good, and then we're going to have to get faster players for him. And here's the thing, too. Your line doesn't have to... Your team doesn't have to all be the same. Your line has to be the same. That was the other thing. Historically, we had... We had... Sorry, I didn't mean to... No, you're good. But, like, historically, we had just enough slow guys that one had to be on every line, and we couldn't have real speed. Mm Because there was an anchor, whether it was... You know, not to pick on guys, but Berglund or Saboka or Steen or Chris whoever. Stewart. Chris Stewart. <laughs> but like, you can have, theoretically next year, and I'm just spitballing wildly, you mm. can have the O'Reilly Sanford Perron line basically reunite. Mm-hmm. And you can, if, if, let's say, Trade Shin move Maroon, you can have 
Bozak with like Schwartz and whoever play. And then you could have like a Thomas Kairu Tarasenko line that's like your insane skill and speed line. Mm. And maybe that doesn't work. Maybe they don't find the chemistry, but maybe they do. And that's the thing. Like, if you're a good playoff team, that's what the regular season is for. You're supposed to have the growing pains then. Mm -hmm. And we did last year. (laughs) It wasn't exactly growing pains. It was like the pain of taking polyjuice potion (laughs) and transforming into a juggernaut. But like, yeah, I just, I don't know. Um, Bob Rakowski at wowzy wowzy (laughs) on Twitter uh, asked us, are they able to include incentives into contracts? And if so, what are the limitations? I meant to research this more and failed, but I hear that you did not. <laughs> You've heard correctly. <laughs> um, just a general overview of it. Signing bonuses, uh, you can give on the contracts. They're part of the cap hit for any NHL player, but performance bonuses where you end up being like, got to hit this many goals, get this many assists. Uh, sometimes it's even just play this many games. Um, those only count obviously when they're earned, and I th- and they count against the following year's cap it or that year's or you can, there's like a way to redistribute. Them, I, think I think you can redistribute it into the next because I know like top rookies have performance bonuses in their contract, which is one of the reasons that ah. Toronto has problems. Bonus rollover. Ooh. Performance bonuses count against the salary cap as soon as they are earned. If there's cap space to absorb them, great. You never need to speak of it again unless you're a luxury car salesperson. Great, that's fantastic. Uh, thank you, MSN. Good jokes, MSN. Good jokes. Uh, but if the end of your cap your uh, if the end of your cap space isn't enough to absorb the bonuses actually earned, then the excess is rolled into the next year and counts against the salary cap, eating into the space just like retained salary or an over overpaid player in the press box. Uh, like they like they just said. I think this was a couple of years ago. The season the Leafs had. Uh, two and a half million dollars from last season counting against the cap like a phantom uh, space getting eaten up and that was from like Matthews scoring 30 goals and like Martin yeah getting the thousand points or whatever why here's a question why do they give that to these young players when they have to play for your team what's the incentive for the team to can that out like just goodwill like, oh, if you hit this, we'll give well, you a lot of good money. It could be with, like, entry levels. There are some that are, like, mandated. Oh, okay. Maybe there is. Because yeah, I was like, why would I give this to you when you're just beholden to me anyways? Not to get on Mark Lazarus, who was another worst take I've ever seen this week, but, like, it is kind of stupid that, like, Matthew Boldy or not even, you know, Jack Hughes is going to make mm. the same for the next three years as, like, a guy from the fourth round who develops into a third liner quickly. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, and then they yeah. got to give him a, con- a regular contract. So maybe the NHL mandates some of that stuff. I don't know. Yeah. I know there are some, like, in the NFL. What the NHL cannot do is some of the stuff in, like, MLB, which is not a salary cap league, so they have a lot more freedom, where, like, MLB can give you a contract that's, like, entirely performance bonus-based. Like, I know Adam Wainwright signed this year and I think his base salary was like two million, but like performance could have taken it up to like ten or something, mm-hmm. like a ridiculous difference. And that'll be stuff, you know, like twenty wins or you know, yeah. thirty starts or one hundred and fifty innings pitched, and you can do that until the sun doesn't shine anymore. As far as 
the league is concerned. Wasn't with, there a thing on Broder's contract when we signed him where like every win he got like a quarter of a million dollars yes, or something like yeah, that? Yeah, so that's possible too. Mm-hmm. Um, but it all has to fit into your cap structure, so that's the limit. One other thing it says here is that um, most bonuses it says most bonuses don't get earned, so the CBA allows a bonus cushion of seven point five percent of the upper limit of the salary cap. So I guess you're able to eat into that too, where it's like okay. If we spend up to our cap, we know that we can have this much percentage go beyond mm-hmm. that four bonuses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's crazy. It is. One of my favorite things, and I this just has to do with contracts, not really bonuses, but like P.K. Subban had a limited or, you know, 10-team, no-trade-to clause, basically, you know, um, in his contract when he was with Montreal. Then he gets traded to Nashville. Depending and it falls on, off, I think it? depending on the contract, yeah, it's, I think it automatically is not there. Nashville can choose to like renegotiate that, yeah. or they can choose to honor it and like, oh, of course, you know, we want to do right by you here, sort of thing. But yeah, I think they basically said for this New Jersey deal, like yeah, when he came to Nashville, they did not re up that thing. So it's just like <laughs> the minute you do get traded and allow yourself to get traded once, mm-hmm. you could then just always be traded after that. So it, I do kind of understand how that might make. A player wary or yeah, whatever, sure. you know, it it's just opens like the floodgates. Ber- Bergwin situation where it's like, oh, you didn't give us your no trade list. Sorry, yeah, bye. Get out. Um, couple more questions here, and then we'll wrap up. Toasty McSamich at MC underscore S A M I C H Sandwich McSamich. It's like it. Uh, <laughs> tweets what or who would the Blues target in a trade for Shin, and would they be better off trying to move Bozak now and have Thomas play three C? I'm going to say no to the second question because I love Tyler Bozak. No. <laughs> um, I think you can just get astronomically more for Braden Shin than you could get for Tyler Bozak, mm. even with two years left on the deal versus one. Tyler Bozak's a fine player, and I like Tyler Bozak a lot. And I think he'll be great here on the 3C for as long as you want, pretty much. Yeah. But I don't... You're not going to get a ton for him in a trade. Somebody will give up something, sure. Mm. But I don't know that it's worth it. Whereas Shin, I don't... I real. I Maybe I'm overreacting. I really don't think there's any world in which we re-sign him. Because it doesn't make sense to keep him at center. Yeah, how do you And it doesn't make sense to pay him that yeah. much to be a wing on top of the fact that he's said he doesn't want to go back to wing. Mm-hmm. So, like, people, are, I think, are forgetting, like you said, that Petrangelo is coming up mm-hmm. um, and Don is coming up and, like, other guys that you have to resign are coming up. So, like, I don't really get the love. I get the love of Shen, don't get me wrong. Like, I get why we love him as a player, but I don't really get why it's like you can't trade him. It's mm-hmm. like a couple months ago we were like yeah absolutely trade shit mm-hmm. get as much value as you can to save this team and i know we won a cup since then and i know that's a huge difference but is it uh <laughs> the kind of players you could target you could get a really good prospect like a really good prospect like a top not like a jack hughes level but like mm. that someone like get mm, drafted in the top 15 yeah um a couple for you know a first which I'm not in love with because that's just unless you're gonna flip that for something. Uh, I would but, I would rather we trade him for a player we could use now. Yeah, personally. I would really love us to like find a left-handed defenseman. 
That's I know we've got both. Yeah. I know we've got a lot of left-handed defensemen. I really like if you can trade Shin and Edmondson, and I don't have a good one. I need to look it up, and I'll I'll try to find it before next draft. But if you can sh- trade the ten million dollars those guys will make mm-hmm. for like a really good left-handed defenseman, and I know that like people aren't eager to give those up, but those are two pretty good players. And maybe you get a pick, like maybe it's it's really along the lines of like a, a Johnson trade where both teams give up a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that's a big move to make with a Stanley Cup running roster, but I really think like your defense. Your, for one thing, your power play is trash. It just has to be better. <laughs> it has to be better, and some of that is coaching. A lot of it's probably coaching, but the personnel isn't right. They could never find the right mixture, especially on defense. And if you have a um, left-handed guy, you know, setting up Tarasenko, mm-hmm. a left-handed defenseman, that's going to help you a lot. Where Tarasenko likes to hang out on that side there. Mm-hmm. Um, Dunn, I think, is that, or can be that, but Baruby doesn't seem to want him there. So maybe you find somebody who's a little more defensively responsible. But that's that'd be what I'm looking at, mm-hmm. you know. Or, you know, get a younger, faster forward that's maybe not, the ceiling isn't quite as high, but he's control, cost-controlled and younger and, you know, fits an evolving team a mm-hmm. little better on the wing, who's like depth scoring, because we could use that too. I don't know. Your thoughts, or do you agree with me? Yeah, I think the Blindly only... Blindly agree? <laughs> Blindly, <course>. please. <laughs> I think the only problem with Shen is just the fact that he does only have the one year left. Yeah, that's the so... only thing. I'm not trying to get rid of Braden Shen. I'm no, just I just looking... mean like for a return. Just like oh, they're yeah. like, oh this is if someone if the other team can't re-sign him. Yeah, I think that's but... your two markets where you're like you could give them to a, a team that really needs just help and like can sign them for that much, or you give them to a team and that's where I think you'll get like a return back. You know, unless what you're getting the return back is an exchange of money. We're getting somebody that's you know five, six million dollars contract already that they're then going to use that gap to then sign Braden Shen with. Mm-hmm. Or you're giving it to a team that, and I think this is the less likely scenario. Friggin Arizona. They have... Oh, yeah. They've got money for days. but Or you're giving it to a contender team that needs that push this year. Because God knows as much as we want to make it back and win the Cup again, we don't like it. We most certainly don't need to. But there's other teams, like we used to be, that need to. And so just one year of them is good enough, but that's where I don't think we're getting a roster player back. We're going to be getting, like, their best prospect and, you know, a first or something. Which could still be interesting to me. I think that's I a, know... It's a slider. I think if we trade him now in the summer, I want a player that can play. If we're trading him in midseason, all the way up to the deadline, then I understand that but we're probably getting... the return is diminishing, too. Well, that's true, but we're, that's what I mean. We're probably only going to get, like, a first round and they're you know, good prospect. Here's the thing, though. Let's not forget that if we get a good prospect, we can always trade a good prospect yeah. for immediate help. You know, so uh, just kind of interesting looking at next year's UFAs. Alex Galchenyuk is 26-year-old UFA next year. If you were just going to swap guys, you know, that are pending UFAs, um, I'm trying to find any defenseman. Dylan DeMello. Ooh. Um... <laughs> 
Jimmy Vesey, I know, is on the move. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, I know our, our boy Tommy would love that. Uh, I don't know why I sounded so dickish. I just know he loves Ryan Tom- Nugent Thompson. Oh, I know why I sounded like a dick, because I'm a dick. Uh, Joachim Nordstrom is 28. Doesn't Isn't he 35, though? Yeah. Isn't he actually 35? Not a great crop next year. Not a great crop. Not a great, not great. We gotta make moves now. Alex Petrangelo, woof. Um, Taylor Hall, Shin for Hall, yeah, baby, <laughs> I like it. So there you go, Ryan Braden Shin for Taylor Hall. And the final question from our friend Justin Horniker says, what, 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 first-time caller, long-time listener, who had the best name of the draft? I'll take my answer off-air, which I guess means we hang up and text it to him. Yeah. Do people take their answers on air? That's so annoying because then they like debate the person. Like, well, actually, I thought, like, did you ask me the question or not? Mm-hmm. It's a good one. I mean, that's a, I don't understand it. Uh, Bitchkov. Uh, Bitchkov was my favorite Bichkov one. Bitchkov was very good. Hunter Skinner. Hunter Skinner. Very good. Uh, here's SB Nation's The 14 Best Names of the NHL oh, Draft, shall we? Perfect. Uh, Gianni Fairbrother. Oh, yeah, I saw that one. Not to be confused with his Ken G. Hey, evil brother. brother. Hey, hey, hey there, fair fair brother. brother. <laughs> <laughs> Martin Has. <laughs> Wait, what's his last name? Has, just H-A-S. And they, okay. their, their witticism is, have you been to the Czech Republic? Martin Has. <laughs> damn, God damn it. <laughs> I'm angry that they came uh, up with that first. Roddy Ross. If Rowdy Roddy Piper and Rick Ross had a child and they could play hockey, we'd get Roddy Ross. I hope he celebrates everything just by screaming his name as loud as he can and hearing Rowdy Ross echo through hockey arenas around the country. Albin Grew. Uh, huh? Alvin looks really different. Did he get a haircut? Nah, Alvin Grew. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Philip Broberg. Not many people know, but Broberg is a European city founded entirely by frat boys in 2005. (laughs) Now each year, natty, ice-loving college students make a pilgrimage to Broberg to kiss the feet of Le Grande Bro, a (laughs) life-size statue of Rob Gronkowski. Number nine, Elmer Soderbloom. Like Peyton Krebs, I'm obsessed with knowing the story behind how parents named their baby Elmer in 2001. Was it FUD-inspired? Glue-inspired? Did they just like the name? I need to know more. This is everything I desire to know in this world. Number eight, I think I already mentioned him, Hunter Skinner. I like it when your first name is an action that naturally leads into your second name. That's an economy of language I can get behind. Number seven, Nils Hoglander. In New York City, a battle between immortals has happened uh, away from the watchful eye of the police. There can only be one Hoglander, and the fate of the future of swine is at stake. I'm dying. My face hurts. Number six, Braden Tracy. This is a hockey-ass name, and it's beautiful. Number five, Daniel Misule. Mm-hmm. What did Dra- Dragon say to Jon Snow before flying away? Daniel Misule. Sorry. <laughs> hey, they stole my joke. Uh, they stole my joke for the last time. Uh, number four, personal favorite of mine. If we drafted a goalie, I was hoping it'd be him. Mad Sogard. This name is just awesome. It has a tinge of radical 80s to it while also reminding me of Mads Mikkelsen. As an aside, Finnish names are just also 
dope. I love them all so much, and they are legitimately perfect. Problem with that, Mad Sogar, definitely Danish and not Finnish at all. But mm. other than that, good point. Um, <laughs> number three, Peyton Krebs. I'm a sucker for young people with old people names, and nothing is older sounding in this class than Peyton Krebs. <laughs> Peyton Krebs is not the name of an 18-year-old phenom headed to Las Vegas. It's that of a lonely recluse who collects cans <laughs> to fund his ham radio hobby. Number two, Antoni Honka. This is a business on the front party in the back kind of name. When you hear Antoni, you assume this is going to be followed by something like Sinclair IV or De Beauchemarche. Not Honka. And finally, and I think this is right for number one, Capo Caco. There's a lot of reasons to love Capo Caco. Chances are the Rangers forward is going to be a star, and this means we're going to hear his glorious name a lot over the next decade. Personally, I'm looking forward for him to do a series of national insurance commercials. Who would resist Capo Caco and the Geico Gecko palling around? <laughs> Capo Caco is like Madonna. Where like I know it's both his names, uh-huh. but I never want to hear passes Capo to Caco. I never want to hear passes to Caco oh, no. or like Caco Not scores. It's Capo Caco scores. Here comes Capo Caco. <laughs> Look at the fucking stick on, on Capo Caco. Yeah. Those witticisms come to us courtesy of James Dater of SBNation.com, 14 best hockey names of the NHL draft. So there's your answer, Justin. You can criticize our answers off air <laughs> until we return to the air again, which will be hopefully next Thursday mm-hmm. to discuss pre free agency madness Ooh. and hopefully big NHL trades. It's Until then, may your capos always be caco and your hoglanders always be nils. Bye. (laughs)